Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 7. When Jesus had concluded his discourse in the hearing of the people, he went to Capernaum. There a highly valued servant of a centurion was sick and about to die. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his servant. They came to Jesus and pleaded with him earnestly, This man is worthy to have you grant this, for he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. But when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends with the message, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not consider myself worthy to come to you. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell one to go, and he goes, and another to come, and he comes. I tell my servant to do something, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled at the centurion. Turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. And when the messengers returned to the house, they found the servant in good health. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. His disciples went with him, accompanied by a large crowd. As he approached the town gate, he saw a dead man being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Do not weep. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Then Jesus gave him back to his mother. A sense of awe swept over all of them, and they glorified God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has visited his people. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding region. Then John's disciples informed him about all these things. So John called two of his disciples and sent them to ask the Lord, Are you the one who was to come, or should we look for someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the one who was to come? Or should we look for someone else? At that very hour, Jesus healed many people of their diseases, afflictions, and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear and the dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of of me. After John's messengers had left, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? Otherwise, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? Look, those who wear elegant clothing and live in luxury are found in palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people who heard this, even the tax collectors, acknowledged God's justice, for they had received the baptism of John. But the Pharisees 
and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. To what then can I compare the men of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came, eating and drinking, and you say, look at this glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by all her children. Then one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a sinful woman from that town learned that Jesus was dining there, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. Then she kissed his feet and anointed them with the perfume. When the Pharisee, who had invited Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who this is and what kind of woman is touching him, for she is a sinner. But Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men were debtors to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay him, he forgave both of them. Which one, then, will love him more? I suppose the one who was forgiven more, Simon replied. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? When I entered your house, you did not give me water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not greet me with a kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since I arrived. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore I tell you, because her many sins have been forgiven, she has loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those at the table began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus told the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And this is God's word. Jesus has gone public now and has been attracting more and more attention in his area. That attention continued as he performed miracles such as healing the dying in verses 1 through 10 and raising the dead in verses 11 through 17. His message was right, but his actions were not what John the Baptist expected. So when John, in prison, heard about Jesus' actions, he sent some of his disciples to ask Jesus to identify himself in verses 18 through 27. After reassuring John through his disciples in verses 21 through 23, Jesus began to probe what the people who followed Jesus thought of John the Baptist in verses 24 through 27. After asking some probing questions to get people to think about the meaning of John's life and ministry in verses 24 through 26, Jesus affirmed that John was a prophet, but he was a prophet plus more. A prophet plus, you might say, as we saw in verse 26b. According to Jesus, in verse 27, John was, in fact, the forerunner prophesied in the Old Testament to Messiah. But then Jesus raised the importance of John even further, but with a twist. According to Jesus, John was the greatest mortal man who ever lived. We saw that in verse 28. That's quite an assessment to make about anyone, but especially coming from Jesus. 
But then Jesus said something even more intriguing. He said, Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, that is, than John the Baptist. The most insignificant person who arrives in God's kingdom is greater than the greatest man who ever lived in human history, according to Jesus. Why is that true? The answer is that John, great as he was, was a sinner. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is not a sinner. Sinners are not allowed into the kingdom of heaven, so there are no sinners there. Consequently, everyone who is there is a better person than John. The kingdom of God must be an empty place then, because I and everyone I know is a sinner. But that's where Jesus comes in. And that's why he came into this world. Jesus the man lived the sinless life that would qualify a person to enter the kingdom of God. He was able to do that as a man because he was also God. As God, he didn't need to earn his way into the kingdom of God. It already belongs to him. So in the great act that theologians call imputation, God gave sinners access to his kingdom based on the perfect life of Christ. He imputed, that is, he, God reckoned, God credited Christ's righteousness to those who believe in him for it. On the opposite side of the coin, he also credited to Jesus the guilt for human sin, which Jesus paid for through his death on the cross. For those who believe this message, God imputes your guilt to Christ, who paid it in full, and imputes Christ's righteousness to you. That's how you get into the kingdom of God. When you get there, God will transform you completely so that you never want to or will sin again. Thus, you will be a better person, a better human being than John the Baptist, the greatest man who ever lived. This is an important truth for our salvation. It's one that everyone must humble himself to believe. Even the most morally upright person must admit his sin and need of salvation. But many people are too proud for that. So Luke told us in verse 29 that those who knew they were sinners were getting into the kingdom, while those who were really religious, according to verse 30, were missing out on what God was doing. Don't let that be you. Don't let your pride keep you from an eternity in God's presence and in his kingdom. Also know that if you have trusted Christ, God treats you as perfect now, even though you aren't yet. God treats you better than John the Baptist already because God gives you the credit for Christ's perfection. So don't let your sins and failures discourage you. Keep growing in your faith and trusting God to change you and know that God is not counting those sins against you anymore. You're on his side now because of Jesus. So you can feel secure and forgiven while you grow to become like him. If you like these devotionals, consider signing up to receive them every day in your email. Go to dailypbj.com slash subscribe for that. Also, please consider becoming a financial supporter so that I can make more content and reach more people with God's word. Go to dailypbj.com slash support for that, and I'll see you next time.